today on Ag News Daily. You know, to help ensure a smooth transition for California, Prop 12 goes into effect July 1st, and, and we want to make sure there's pork on the shelves for those consumers. Listeners, welcome back. May 18th, 2023, Thursday, here to talk about the latest headlines related to ag and in the news for you today. Tanner and Delaney hanging out. Ready to rock and roll, Delaney? I sure am, Tanner. We got a lot of headlines here this morning. Yeah, it is a little bit of a busier news day, so we'll see if we can get through those a little bit quicker. We've got storms across the U.S. We've got forecasted storms like we talked yesterday, Oklahoma, Texas panhandles this afternoon. National Weather Service says that those could bring large hail and strong winds. A tornado could not be ruled out, but it is le- less likely than the hail. Heavy rainfall uh, will come with these, which might cause some flash flooding. Northwestern Kansas could see uh, storms developing into the evening. And of course, you continue to push further into the Midwest can also see some storms developing over the uh, after the midnight hour. Air quality is an issue for the entire state of Montana, northern half of Minnesota, parts of North Dakota. These are under alerts due to smoke from wildfires in Canada. I'd been seeing a couple of TikToks lately, Delaney, that said that it was quite smoggy in the region as some of those farmers are finally getting out into their fields. Hmm. Well, I'll be heading to Montana next week, so I'll uh, let you know what I see or smell. Hey, there you go. But yeah, that looks like uh, we should have an active afternoon and evening with maybe some precipitation this week. Well, that's certainly good because as we noted yesterday, folks could certainly use it out in wheat country. We've got day two of hard red winter wheat tour coming in today. The southwest corner of Kansas on Wednesday was like they're saying a land time forget. Uh, despite that we have seen some wetter conditions, wheat sown last fall has not been doing so well. For the tour on Wednesday, attendees were finding even worse results from Wednesday's routes, which led cars from the northwest Colby to the south and then east to Wichita. And the day's average yield was 27 and a half bushels per acre, Tanner. That was over 105 samples, 27 cars, checking 276 fields. That 27.5 bushels per acre yield is a 26% drop from the calculated yield estimated a year ago with cars traveling that same route. Last year, we saw the average yields come in at 37 bushels per acre, which was still pretty drought strained and was still a pretty dry year last year. But this year, things are looking even more dire. Yeah, I had seen those results as well. And uh, unfortunately, if these rains do come through, I feel like it might be a little bit too late for the wheat crop. But like we were talking yesterday, uh, possibly get us some good pasture grazing for those with cattle and other livestock. Practical farmers of Iowa, though, are expanding their reach outside of the state of Iowa this year. Their 2023 field day season will now be 43 events across five different states between June and November. Their goal is to help connect farmers with farmer-led learning. Field days are hands-on showcases for farm operations of all sizes. The states that will be involved are Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. 
they said they've had requests for a long time to include uh, field days outside of their states. These field days will explore conventional and organic crops, cover crops, small grains, livestock systems of different scales, vegetable production, flowers and orcharding, urban farming, and efforts to add habitat. They have finally secured resources to be able to offer these outside of the state. Up until now, their executive director, Liz Colby, had stated, or I'm sorry, senior leader, Liz Colby, had stated that they didn't have enough resources to handle all of the demand within their own state, but are excited to offer these services now to the state's neighbors. Uh, a couple of the upcoming field events already on their calendar, June 9th is in Rockwell City, profitability with cover crops. Cambridge, Iowa hosting on June 13th for no-till and organic relay cropping. Fort Atkinson, Iowa, June 17th, soil health systems with no-till and cover crops. Mitchell, Iowa, June 18th, maximizing the opportunities of small town gardening. Spencer, Iowa, June 21st. So that kind of rounds out the month of June, but the other states will be involved throughout the rest of the summer and into November. So kind of neat to see an Iowa organization expanding into the neighbors. Yeah, they've been around for quite some time, so that's certainly exciting to see them growing there, Tanner. One thing we finally got official confirmation on is a an extension of the Black Sea deal. Just on the 11th hour, we saw it confirmed yesterday that the Ukraine and Russia have reached a deal for another 60 days. Earlier on Wednesday, the last remaining ship registered to travel through the corridor had left the Ukrainian port with still no deal as of yet. But we now have reports coming out that that has been reached. However, Turkish officials have stated that a deal has been sealed, but a lot of Russian officials are declining to confirm that that was the case and that Turkish officials now merely say that the deal is a high probability. So we're still a little fuzzy there um, on whether or not the deal is confirmed by the Russians, but a spokesperson for Ro Russia's foreign ministry said they would be commenting later on the reported extension, and that's kind of where we're at today. So it does seem that we have an extension and Russia is just playing hard to get or a little bit of defense here, but that was sealed just in the nick of time. Yeah, it, it certainly was, but it's just a little minor distraction from what's actually going on. It looks like another bombardment of missiles was sent from the Russian side over Kiev. Ukraine is saying that they did successfully intercept 29 of 30 missiles that were sent in the overnight attack. One civilian is confirmed uh, dead due to missile fragments in that proverb, into that process. Uh the Ukrainian forces are still claiming that they're making advances in the embattled eastern city of Bakhmut. They're continuing to undercome heavy fire from Russian troops, but they're continuing to move forward. Beijing is continuing to play peacemaker. Their envoy from Li Huai wrapped up his two-day visit in Ukraine on Wednesday and says that the grinding conflict does have a pathway to a resolution. So despite China's close ties with Russia, the peace talks will continue. Ukraine has reiterated its refusal of any proposal that would involve a loss of its territories. As far as 
those have come across. Moscow has frozen the bank accounts of Finland's embassy. They are doing this due to unfriendly actions by the Western nation. Thursday, Finland has sought to shore up its defenses against Russia since the start of the war and their joining of NATO in April. So we'll continue to keep an eye on that. And also receiving some uh, latest reports right now that there may have been a suicide, and it's uh, not necessarily a suicide, but a suicide attack by a drone from Russia early this morning to where it was more of a kamikaze style crashing of the defense tool rather than that of launching projectiles. So interesting to see those progressions happening between Russia and Ukraine today. Tanner, we are going to be chatting with the incoming National Pork Producers Council president-elect later in the podcast, but Yesterday, we saw the House subcommittee had a panel on reviewing animal agriculture stakeholder priorities. Now, during this committee meeting, um, American farmers and ranchers were able to testify, as well as a variety of other folks involved in animal agriculture. And during the review of the animal agriculture stakeholder priorities, uh, Representative Tracy Mann of Kansas and part of the U.S. House of Representatives Chairman on Livestock, Dairy, and Poultry Subcommittee said he was concerned about what he called the Biden administration's false narrative about the protein sector's contribution to food inflation and their ad- the administration's push for a set of controversial packers and stockyards rule. He said, along with the Supreme Court's decision to uphold California's Prop 12 ruling, this opens the door to unthinkable, unscientific regulatory overreach. Other legislators agreed with Mann and House Ag Committee Chairman Glenn Thompson also singled out the Biden administration, uh, calling into attention and recording the Monday Wall Street Journal editorial titled Big Meat Conspiracy Theory unravels. Tanner, have you read that article yet? No, I have not. <laughs> I've only seen bits and pieces of it and it's it's uh paints an interesting picture, but basically they're suggesting here that a lack of certainty regarding a lot of different things in the meat industry and the way that the Biden administration has been going about leveling the playing field has not been the correct method to take. We saw uh, folks from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association also comment during that, as well as Scott Hayes, the current National Pork Producers Council president, testified during this as well. And he said that he's really focused now on the 2023 Farm Bill priorities, because as we know, Prop 12 was certainly an unfavorable decision for pork producers in the United States. And he said that along with supply chain Uh, Trade retaliation, labor shortages, and threats from animal foreign disease outbreaks are really putting a pinch on the pork producer's bottom line. So lots of interesting discussion that came out of that um, committee meeting, Tanner. But all in all, we'll see what the administration or Congress decides to do with any sort of fresh legislation or decision making when it comes to the protein industry. Yeah, that's interesting. President Biden himself is in Japan today. He had a 
Asia visit that was originally planned for eight days cut in half. The main reason for cutting that in half was to return to Washington for negotiations over the debt ceiling conversation about raising that. Only had one stop left to make today in Japan uh, before the G7 summit. He's attempting to continue to strengthen the relationships with Japan amidst the economic slowdown that was released from China last week in their reports, continuing to look at Japan as a strong trade partner for agriculture, as well as a ally in discussions when it comes to uh, China's military and growing presence within some of the Asian territories. So that is another relationship that we'll continue to monitor. But ethanol this week, uh, output rose to the highest level in the last month. Our inventory has continued to drop, which shows demand. Production rose to 978,000 barrels per day on average for the week that ended May 12th. That's up from 965 the week before. The inventories, like we said, fell to the lowest level in the fourth straight week, is now dropped to 23.19 million barrels. That's down from 23.29. So we continue to see the inventories drop. This is the lowest level of stockpiles now that we've actually seen since November 25th, Delaney. So I would expect next week, next week Thursday, when we report that we would see production ramp up as well as we need to start rebuilding those stockpiles. I did see a headline about the U.S. Uh, potentially buying oil to put reserves back into TAC for uh, those barrels, uh, but I can dive a little bit more into that and maybe share that with listeners tomorrow. Sounds good, Tanner. Well, I've got one final headline here to touch on before we get into markets, and that is chlorpiferous usage. The EPA has now approved two different countries, or excuse me, two different companies to be allowed to use chlorpiferose as a tool. The EPA granted Corteva, AgriScience, and Adama US uh, authorization in April to begin receiving and receiving return shipments of the chlorpiferose-based products after the agency had previously canceled the insecticides registration. Uh, On April 19th, a memorandum was posted to the Federal Register The EPA issued a list of chlorpiferose products that could be returned to the two companies, and a third registrant was also listed but not able to get approval. Uh, The EPA said these registrants have provided the agency with information on the anticipated timing and consolidation process, and have also agreed to document information on the returned products, including product names. So the EPA said they felt more comfortable with the arrangement moving forward since more documentation was going to be provided on the two products. But now we are officially able to have those two in the toolbox for this growing season. Yeah, there you go. I just was reading an article here, uh, as we'll see where markets ended up today. But it looks like corn futures for December dropped below $5 yesterday for the first time since 2021 but the only other headlines that came across were a little bit bizarre we are looking at montana banning tiktok and the senior citizen edition of the bachelor is going to be coming out this fall so two not really related to agriculture (laughs) headlines that uh, caught my attention and almost distracted me but where are we looking at markets opening up for today oh wait tina i gotta ask do you watch the bachelor 
No, and that's kind of why I was surprised. I didn't realize the show was still going on and how desperate they must be if they're having a senior citizen edition. Mm, yeah, it's not high on my list to watch that. But <laughs> <laughs> as you indicated there, corn futures dipped below $5 for the first time in years. And this has not been seen since 2021, as you mentioned there. The November soybean contract also fell below $12 per bushel, which is their lowest levels since February of 2021. So certainly starting to see a little bit of pullback here. Corn has been trading lower for the third consecutive day as we did dip below that $5 mark. As we look at this morning's trade, soybeans and soy meal are lower this morning while soybean oil is slightly higher. And as the markets are chewing through a bunch of news this morning, they are certainly trading lower across the grain boards as we head into the opening session. July corn down 11 and a quarter cents will open at 550 and a quarter. Dece new crop corn down six pennies at 493. In the soybean pits, the July soybean contract down 10 and three quarter cents in the overnight to open at 1326. November new crop beans are down 11 and a half cents this morning at 1176. Even wheat pushing significantly lower after the news that the Ukraine corridor deal has been shortly extended here. July hard red winter wheat down 28 and a half cents at 857. As we look at livestock and where they'll open here this morning, Yesterday, we saw June live cattle add 95 cents to open today at a buck 64, 82 and a half. August feeder cattle shed 32 and a half cents yesterday to open here today at 231.15. And June lean hogs shed 232 yesterday. Opening bell today will clock in at 84, 87 and a half. Tanner, we are chatting today with Lori Stevemeyer of the National Pork Producers Council. So let's turn it over to our conversation with Lori. We are chatting today with Lori Stevermeyer, the president-elect of the National Pork Producers Council's executive board. Lori, certainly thankful you were able to squeeze us in today, as I'm sure you've been getting a lot of questions after the announcement of Prop 12 in California. But thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here and always uh, eager and uh, willing to talk about the pork industry. So, Lori, obviously that was a big blow last week when we received the news about Prop 12. Where do we go from here? Well, it really was a, a big blow. I mean, this was a case we've been looking at uh, for a long time. And so to get that result against us was very some, very disappointing to us with that opinion. So, you know, I would say there's a couple of, of next steps. I mean, first of all, we know there are some other cases that are active in the industry yet. Uh, the Iowa Pork Producers Association, also NAMI, have a couple of cases against California. So we'll certainly be watching those. I would say the other thing is just, um, you know, to help ensure a smooth transition for California. Prop 12 goes into effect July 1st, and, and we want to make sure there's pork on the shelves for those consumers. Uh, because we don't want any type of disruption in the pork supply. Yeah, that uh, it's interesting to see where and how this is going to play out. I'm assuming that there's been a significant call volume or uh, a significant volume from members and those expressing their concerns. How, how do you guys see 
that portion of it on the producer side transitioning? Well, yeah, a lot of calls, uh, a lot of emails, a lot of concerns, um, you know, all along our, our frustrations were with California overreaching and, and telling us as farmers in Iowa and Minnesota, you know, how we need to raise pigs and farmers work closely with their veterinarians and, and consultants to provide the best animal care for their pigs. So now to be told that, you know, you're not doing it right in a sense, you have to do it our way uh, is concerning. I, I suspect that farmers will be, you know, looking at their um, facilities, their production practices. Uh, I also expect them to be visiting with their packers to understand the path forward and, and making those changes, you know, as needed. You know, the concern is those type of remodeling or rebuilds cost money, right? I believe of value I saw from Dermot Hayes was $3,500 a space sow to, to make that remodel. So it costs money. And the challenges in the pork industry right now, uh, it's not profitable that we're really being squeezed with our margins. So it's just kind of one more thing on on top of all the the heavy issues that we faced in the last few months. Yeah, Lori, I'm curious. Obviously, we knew that this was a potential challenge looming for the pork industry, but I'm going to guess that a lot of folks haven't done anything to convert spaces over to be compliant with Prop 12. Do you think we're going to see a lot of producers take those next steps? And if so, are they the ones that are going to have to pay to make that happen? Or do you think there will be any sort of government grants or other agencies that will help with some of those costs that you mentioned? All along, I think there's been a variety of, of scenarios, right? Some producers have, have made changes. Uh, some already had open pen gestation, maybe just changing the, the configurations a little bit to accommodate uh, the 24 square feet in California. I believe some producers are waiting to see the outcome. Uh, as of now, I'm not aware of any type of government grants to help with any type of remodeling or rebuild or changes. So really that cost as of now would be borne totally by the producer. So outside of just Prop 12, the National Pork Producers Council focuses on quite a few issues that pork producers are facing. Obviously that's the one that's in the headlines right now, but what else do you see potentially being an uphill battle for producers this year? Well, there certainly is no shortage of issues. And while Prop 12 is is important and, and you know, right in front of us right now with the opinions and rulings, a couple other things that are on our mind. Uh, trade is always important to us. 25% uh, of our pork products are exported. That's worth about $61 a head. So we want to continue to advocate for comprehensive trade agreements and to continue to open and expand new markets. So uh, I actually was just in Washington, D.C. last week, had the opportunity to testify at a, a House Sub-A committee on the value of trade to our industry. So opening up new trade agreements um, in the Farm Bill, we're certainly asking for more money for the MAP program, which is a market access program, and the FMD program, which is a foreign market development those type of dollars are used in those countries where we've opened up trade to just expand it there. So very important for trade. I would say the uh, second big issue on our mind is just a foreign animal disease. 
uh, with African swine fever being in Haiti and the Dominican Republic. It's, it's here now in the Western Hemisphere. So continued focus on preparation and, and preparedness. Uh, also asking uh, through the Farm Bill some additional dollars for our national lab network to be able to continue to do testing. Uh, also act, continuing to ask for money for a vaccine bank for, for other foreign animal diseases like foot and mouth. And then also wanting to make sure that there's dollars there for prevention and preparedness for our veterinarians and our, our stock supply. So lots of things going around with ASF and that. Um, but I, I should say in terms of prevention and preparedness, but certainly key on our mind and in part of what we're asking for, for funding and additional funding. So Lori, as you step into your role uh, with president-elect here stepping into the president role, what are some of those issues that you hope to be focused on during your presidency? Or what are other things that you're going to be focused on advocating for on behalf of pork producers? Well, we've got a number of things started this year under President Scott Hayes' presidency. And I'm just, you know, looking forward to continuing to like I said, expand these markets with trade. Uh, I know that health, while we focus a lot on ASF, I think we've got diseases like PERS that are also uh, devastating to a lot of our farmers. So a, a increased focus on, is there a way to eliminate PERS? And, um, you know, it's a big issue. It's one that's not been resolved to our satisfaction yet, but you know, labor, uh, just the need for more year-round labor. So our request to have uh, those H-2A visas adjusted so those can become year-round workers. Because when I look at a lot of pork producers in the rural area, I mean, they need people to work on their farms. And typically our rural areas have, you know, less than the average unemployment rate across the country. So um, I think those type of things, just kind of some structural foundation type activities for our industry are really going to be important going forward. Yeah, it's certainly a role that uh, isn't going to have a shortage of work to take on for quite a while. And uh, you're obviously no stranger to that, having served quite a bit of time on the executive board for the Minnesota Pork Producers Association. But uh, when our listeners are listening to this, what are some things that they can do to help contribute to pushing some of these forward? Is it letters to legislature? Is it funding? How can our listeners help you out? I think there's, there's a couple ways listeners can get involved. I, I would say that if you have a, a local or a state organization, pork producers, I mean, get involved with that or, or become aware of the issues. I mean, even if it's something like, you know, Farm Bureau or a different um, organization, we in agriculture are less than 2% of the population. I believe animal agriculture is less than 1% of the population. Uh, we, need to, we need to make our voices known. We need to show up. So, so getting involved with organizations, um, especially the pork producers, getting involved with the issues, understanding them so that you can advocate on a, on a state national level is, is key. You know, if you're already partially involved, uh, I would say encouraging people to get involved with committee work, um, whether that's at our state or national too, you, you really do learn a lot more. And when you become more involved and that's helpful. Um, I think the other thing, and it seems very casual, but, you know, just 
talk to your neighbors and friends about the issues that we have. I, I think a lot of people don't realize what regulations do to farmers, excess regulations. So they might think, well, you know, what's, what's so big about Prop 12? Or what's so, so, what's such a big deal about this heavy regulation that's going to restrict how I can farm? Or letting consumers know what we 